Welcome to the Two Months Podcast presented by BioSteel. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. back to the two months podcast presented by biosteel i'm your host joshua marshall we have uh, clay vanderham with us tonight vandy how's it going vandy is dandy looking forward to a nice conversation with a couple of prior guests yes yes uh we'll get to that very shortly and we got trevor ruptash with us rapper how's it going going fantastic i'm just having a glass of wine watching some pretty woman and getting ready to do a nice podcast. So night's awesome. Nice. That's good. That's good. Uh, and yeah, we have two uh, two amazing guests. They're back with us. Uh, they've been on they've been on our podcast before. We are uh, we are excited to have back uh, a few members of the free play for kids. Uh, and we'll get into uh, what free play is all about. But uh, we have a ball hockey superstar here in the Edmonton area. He is a legend uh, amongst his own, and uh, he's got a pretty good follow in the community. We would like to welcome back Sonny Sikan. Sonny, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good, buddy. Good. Thanks good. for having me. Yeah, no, no. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. And uh, at our next guest, he's a uh, former NHLer. He was drafted in the first round in 2003. Uh, good friend, uh, great person. Uh, we'd like to welcome back Sean Bell. Belzy, how's it going? 
Oh, it's good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no, no, it's good to good to get you back on. And uh, yeah, all these these guys got a lot of different things going on. They got a lot of different hats that they're wearing and things they're looking after. So we're going to get into a lot of different things. So uh, bear with us as we follow down a lot of different roads here. But uh, I guess... This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all teamwear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code Two months at checkout for fifteen percent off your order. Now back to the show. I guess the first thing is we'll try to jump around here, but the biggest thing we'll start off with is what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers, and we'll talk some NHL stuff. Uh, you know, we'll throw to you, Sadi. You just kind of went on Twitter a little uh, about a couple okay. hours ago, so uh, which is always, uh, I guess, could always be a bad thing or a good thing depending in Rupper's world. Um, but uh, but. Uh, Overall thoughts to, uh, to the Oilers season to date, uh, Sonny? Um, well, Twitter is like, you know, my therapy, so I get it out there and it's <laughs> it's good to go. Um, you know, we're almost a quarter of the way in. Uh, I wouldn't be panicking yet, but I certainly would be concerned. You know, when you look at the standings and you see some of the perennial favorites on the outside looking in, slow starts, maybe that's part of it. Um, you know, at the end of the day for me, I think – the time is now and you know uh we don't have an infant time with mcdavid and dry you have that nuclear option we were a conference finalist last year um i just i really don't buy waiting at this point uh, I, i'll go back to a comment mckinnon said last year in the playoffs about how he would have traded 11 first round picks for nakushkin because all those guys are going to be gone by the time they're done and so I'm not, I think we've done such a great job establishing a pipeline at all levels. Um, I would, I would hold nothing sacred. I would be looking to guys like, you know, whether it's Chikrin or Klingberg or these teams that are looking like they're already out to solidify what's obviously a weakness. Um, and then, you know, I, I texted you yesterday, like there's other things that make me raise my eyebrow. Like, why didn't we tender an offer to a guy like Chris Russell, who yeah. probably not, a, he's not the sexiest player, but he'll, he eats pucks for breakfast. You know what you're going to get from him. Instead, we take a flyer on Ryan Murray and you can't pin it on him. But so some of those things, like just settling down that back end, giving like a guy like Bouchard room to grow and breathe. Um, and then the other thing is, I just think Campbell, you know, historically he's had these ups and downs again not pinning it on that guy but I think he will settle in and that will hopefully change but I do think that they've got to make a move if we're serious about this being a year to uh to get after it and sooner than later right 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, something needs to be done for sure. Uh, uh, Belzy, uh, you know, your thoughts, I know that you are, you're part of the Edmonton Oilers alumni, but uh, you know, your thoughts to what you've seen so far uh, for the, for the season and, uh, in which ways do you think they can help uh, stop leaking up the many goals that they are uh, leaking up? I think that uh, <clears throat> they've got, they've got a couple different flaws. Um, I think the first one being is that, you know, over the last, it's called three or four years, they've been notoriously slow starters. And when you see a team that has come off a Western conference finals appearance, uh, you lost to a team that, you know, we can argue they were more skilled, but really they were a lot more hungry than, uh, in my opinion, at least than the Edmonton Oilers. You look at the games that Colorado had last year and every single time they stepped foot on the ice, it was pedal to the metal and we're playing for keeps because, you know, teams aren't going to catch you off guard. Now you're not going to catch teams off guard. It's you need to show up. You need to be ready to go. You need to play as hard as you possibly can. And, you know, it used to be a running joke that Koskinen was going to let in the first goal, but really is that a Koskinen thing or was that more a situation of the Oilers weren't ready to go from the drop of the puck every single time. So now you get to a point this year where you walk in, everybody's dubbing you as one of the contenders in the NHL. Well, you want to, you want to set a precedent that anytime you're playing the Edmonton Oilers, it's going to be a hard night. And has it been a hard night for teams? Are teams afraid to walk into Rogers and play against the Oilers? For me, I don't know if that's the case. And that's not trying to chirp the team. It's just saying that sometimes I think they feel that they're so skilled that they're not out of any game, as opposed to just ending the game right out of the gate. So I think that's one of the first things that is a massive issue. And, you know, to your your comment, Sonny, you know, with Campbell, 100% he's going to settle in. But, like, some of these goals that he was giving up, he's laying on his stomach and there's guys standing back door with a puck and they're just shoveling pucks in and nobody's touched them. Um, so those are some serious issues that, that the Oilers definitely have. Um, and, and then the last one, for, and just in my opinion, is that if you look at the makeup of the roster, you've got more or less the same thing all the way through, you know, and, and I'm not trying to disrespect, you know, the Pulley Arby's, the Yamamoto's, the Shores, guys like that, but, you know, we're the guys that are going to be those ultimate penalty killers. Connor, using Connor McDavid on the penalty kill, while in, you know, it, it's a good idea because he's on the ice, he's the best player in the world, but do you really want him going out there blocking shots? Where are those guys that are going to sell sell themselves out to try to block shots to prevent anything from going, going in the net? You know, is there is there guys that can make it hard for other teams to play against and are some of the players that are on the bottom six of the Oilers guys that are actually going to make it hard for other teams to come in and play against the Oilers and so I feel like they're ultimately throughout the lineup it's more or less the same thing and I think they've got to differentiate between okay well we've got Connor we've got Dreisaitl we've got Hyman we've got Kane well give me some in the words of Brian Burke, some truculence just to make people uncomfortable. 
yeah. you know, and, and those are some of the things that I'm seeing with the Oilers. Yeah, no, it's very well said. It's, uh, it's a, it is concerning because you didn't think the team would be 10 and nine to start their first 19 games after the season that they had. Uh, Vandy, uh, your thoughts on kind of what was said by both our guests, but uh, yeah, I mean, also- both bang on. It's my issue is this is an issue the Oilers have had for, for a long time. Like Sean said, the, the, the starts, um, I mean, simple reads last night, the Tatar goal. I mean, that there, no way do you get three whacks at that. I mean, that highlight reel goal shouldn't be going in. That's just a, you know, whether it's Pugliarvi on the back check or nurse, whatever. I mean, that's nurse, what, seven years in the league now, Barry, seven eight year whatever it is i mean those are your veteran guys that are making these mistakes that that just can't happen and i don't care if you're on the team strictly for a power player what you still you're a defenseman you have to know how to play defense those mistakes can't happen and and they could they they're continuing to happen and and that that's an issue that needs to be addressed now you know are we is it are they are those type of players too far gone that they're you know you can't teach them? I don't believe that, but I think Madsen will do a job with them. I think who knows? I mean, but there there's just there's a lot of 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 missed assignments that's happening this early in the season when you know, like Sean said, we should come in going, we're one of the lead dogs. You gotta you gotta beat us. You have to beat us. We shouldn't beat ourselves. Yeah. And that's what's happening in, in a lot of the games. I mean, New Jersey basically had their way with they, them last they night. took. Yeah. yeah, they basically had their way and they took it to them. Yeah. And that shouldn't happen. That should not happen. Whether they're a top team in the East or not, we're a top team in the West. I mean, we have to we have to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh Rupper, your thoughts on kind of what you've seen uh last night, but uh, in the last little uh bit here where it's win one, lose one, win one, lose one, Rupper. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, mouth off for 45 minutes here about it because I could, to be quite honest with you. But um, I'm shocked at a couple things. I'm shocked that this is a team that made it to the conference finals last year. And there's looks like there's zero hunger to get back there to me. Um, I'm shocked because this was the first year that I looked at the bottom six and I was like, man, I felt excited about it. I, I, I watched... You know, I, I was a huge Fogel guy, and, and that's a big shock to me how he's not fitting in here because when he was in Carolina, I was saying to guys, I'm like, man, I, I, we need a guy like Fogel on this team. And then we finally get him, and, you know, I, I know he's been playing better of late, and he's getting rewarded for that. So that, that one's great. But the other guys, I, I, don't know what's, I don't know what the issue is. I'm not in the room. Um, you know, I can sit here and give you guys my opinions, but it's a shock to me. It's a shock to me that I, I feel like there's no, there's no, uh, passion to, to like, like Sean said, when you looked at Colorado last year and what McKinnon said, you, you got guys now, this team, you, your core guys have been around for what, I don't know, seven, eight years. And it's the same thing. Like, I don't feel like we're getting any better. Um, and I don't know what, how we solve that. We try and we try and we try. And you know what? Yeah, we're hard on them because we're Matoni's. But, man, we've been through this for, fuck, sorry about my swearing, but how many years now, man? Like, it's starting to get frustrating. It's starting to get frustrating as a fan because 
we we were through some lean years where we were out by November. Right now, we're we're literally on the outside looking in. I know we're in a wild card spot, but Christ, look at the teams that are above us right now, and look at the teams that are below us. And you you know Calgary's going to get better, right? So, yeah. I don't know. Just frustrated. That might be the wine talking. Uh, it might be because my wife just walked in the door. I don't know. <laughs> well, Cal- Calgary's won four <laughs> of their last five. So now was the thing that Leon Dreisaitl has talked about this today was that it's stringing those, you know, four or five games in a row together, you know, having a stretch of seven where you win five out of the last seven. But uh, what do you think needs to change here, Sonny, that you're kind of seeing uh, from afar and, and what should be uh, should be things that are easy – easy things to fix going forward read his tweet yeah i mean like i think there's low-hanging fruit you talk about truculence you talk about a penalty killer like i'm not a cap specialist but you see a guy like wayne simmons on on the waiver wire like i don't know why we wouldn't pick up wayne simmons right like you know uh, call him a poor poor man's cane for the style of play until cane is back you know, Kane, if Simmons is on McDavid or dry settles, when people aren't taking those liberties, he's a specialist in front of the net. He made a career doing that. He's the guy's reach is probably only beaten by Pooley Arby, but like, and he's a veteran. Right. So you, you bring that desire uh, over a long career to bring that in. Um, and then what to change? I, I don't know. Like I'm a lifelong fan too. And you look at, we, we've literally changed everything we can the jerseys the arena like um at some point you know bxa was talking about this on hockey in canada it's like i don't i think everyone on this panel has coached uh, at various levels but like you know i know for me i can have every i dotted t crossed everyone knows their lineups prepared but i can't get out there and perform and so at some point that has to be taken as a point by the locker room and I kind of made my joke sending the, I don't know if anyone watches Ted Lasso, but they went out and got Dr. Sharon and she's like this mental, like psychologist coach. And I'm not even, I'm not kidding. Like, like, have they tried that? Like how much of this, how much of this battle that they're facing is actually between their ears? Like, you know, does a guy like Pooley Arby, would he benefit from having someone sit there and talk to him about his confidence? Is like, you know, um, uh, I talk about this in a lot of ways. Like if you can't perform in your personal life at an optimal level, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, how are you going to compete in Edmonton under that microscope? So that's what I would change. I would just try different things because to me, this isn't a Jay Woodcroft. It's not a, uh, it's not a Dave Tippett. It's not, you know, the list goes on and on, you know, there's strengths and weaknesses to all those coaches, but this common problem that's been here for the entire McDavid era not starting that's that doesn't go back to the coach right like you got to show up and start (laughs) so yeah yeah no it very very well said and very true uh you know sometimes it uh you got to stop looking at the coach here it's the same thing that's going on in ottawa right they you know they paid all these guys they brought you know some really veteran people in and uh you know the results are still the same and sometimes it's just at the end of the day it's on the players and kind of brady kachuk said that uh uh, Belzy, uh, your thoughts on Evan Bouchard's game. Do you do you think he really misses Duncan Keith right now? Um, you know, he's paired with Kulak, but, uh, you know, he, it hasn't been the season that he's wanted, but also for a lot of the younger players, the Amamotas, the drive side, uh, the, the, uh, the Warren Fogles, uh, the McLeods, uh, they've kind of really had a tough go here. But uh, thoughts on what Evan Bouchard's uh, fight, fighting through right now? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just before I, I jump into that question, I, I guess I – 
I'd pose a question to you guys that do you think, you know, part of the Oilers problem uh, to date is the fact that they know they're, they're that good and that they feel that, you know, no matter what the situation is, that there's a, there's a good chance that they could fight their way through it and fight their way out of it. Cause you see, I, I almost liken it to my golf game. I'm awful. And then my last three shots, I'm like, Oh man, am I good? And I'm going to keep coming back. So <laughs> it's one of those situations yeah, <laughs> where it's yeah. like, you know, like, do they feel that they're honestly that good? Because you've got literally the top two players in the world. Plus you've got Kane who can score 40 goals on this team. You got Hyman, who's a jack of all trades. Like you've got guys that can put it in the net. So is that part of the problem that like something you mentioned is between their ears is that they just think they're so good that they just feel that they're not out of it ever. I would say to that question. Yeah. Like, you know, you, especially cause like the way, the way it kind of looked last year before Kane came here, you know, there wasn't a lot of confidence and swagger inside that room. And then I think the part of him coming here definitely gave them an element that they didn't have. And then as we all know, that fit was, was amazing. Like the stats backed it up, everything, the, the run, you know, the the goals he scored in the playoffs. I know it was a bit of a slow start to his season this year, but I still think there's a huge part of that game that, that, that like this, you need that, that toughness like we I'm a Leaf fan and I watched the game last night and Jesper Wallstead took a run at Matthews and Rasmus Sandin goes and fights but that's not really worrying me if I'm playing Toronto like it's like I pretty much know I could run like and you can almost say this about the Oilers in a way because like it, you know I know Nurse was there to fight Edler but my point is that that message that Toronto just sent to the NHL last night is we can take a run at Matthews all day long. And the only guy that's going to have to come back and answer us is Rasmus Sandin, who had his first NHL fight. And the guy Sandin was fighting was a friend of his in Wallstad. Not later on in the game did they have to, did someone skate up to Wallstad and say, you know, hey, you can't be doing that, right? It was almost the same thing again when Dreis, when McDavid got ran by Edler, it was Nurse that stuck up for it. But you got a guy in a bottom six role that just didn't want to step out of his element on the block in the shots of stepping up and going, you know, hey, I'm going to do everything I can that I want to do in this lineup to stick up for my teammates. And I just think that like Toronto's accepted that and we're seeing that in New Jersey because New Jersey, New Jersey was different last year, guys. They had a, a, a guy that we all know very well in this area in uh, Mason Gertzen. Uh, Gertzen was was on that roster throughout the whole year last year. Anyone messed around with anyone, he fought. He's not there now. They're they're playing with a different style of system that they were last year. And I, and I think that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that goes to what Sean was saying. We we have the same, almost the same player through and through the lineup. Yeah. When when Kane was Kane's out for four months. Yeah. We're a different but, but team. I'm, but we're I'm also a totally worried different too. team. And I think this is not and, and I'll point to this today. Elliot Friedman, and I, I thought about it, but I didn't think about it to the point that Elliot said it. But Elliot said this today on his radio hit. He's actually worried about the Kane thing. He's like, to hear what Kane said on after hours that he doesn't have any movement in his thumb. He can't feel anything in his thumb. Like he Elliot said he's like I understand that some might be a little bit of a media thing trying to persuade the injury. Yeah, I wouldn't but, I, but but the way he Kane said it he's like I still don't have a feeling in my thumb so will he get back to 100% no it's going to take some time it's just like guys like we we've seen with Tyler Sagan after the hip surgeries he's taken any guy any injury 
that anyone's had. But go go ahead, Vandy. There, finish your thought. No, I was just going to. I mean, we're a different team without without yeah um, Kane in the lineup. We don't have that that swagger and that that confidence. But getting back to what what Sean said, do we? I I if if we do have that. And whether it's from our leadership core or yeah, we got this. We're you know we could get down four two. I, I think that's an issue that needs to be addressed. Whether it's obviously it'll be internally, but it, they they need you need to work sixty minutes in this league, in any league, any yeah. level. You need to go for sixty minutes, and if you're not ready to go at the drop of the puck, that needs. Well, I mean, who knows if that'll get addressed or what, but, but that mentality, that attitude that you, you can't have that you, you need to be a, uh, you know, a front runner, get out in front of the game as, as opposed to constantly waiting, 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 and then chasing, chasing, and then, you know, hoping your power play can get you because as we're seeing the power play isn't, isn't the X factor, Yeah, you know, teams are taking passes away. They're, 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 you know, the game's so coached at this level that it, the the power play isn't going to win you or get you two or three goals or four goals that, that it might have last year. It's, and you know. To Belzy's question, though, too, like losing a guy like Smith and Keith and what Sonny said at the start of, of a Chris Russell, and now you don't, now you lose Kane. Like, you know, Kane's on the road trip, but those are guys, that, you're missing four key guys that are leaders on and off the ice. Um, you could, yeah. You could almost uh, you could almost throw Cassian into that mix too, and, yeah. and I know Cassian had his own issues here in the city of Edmonton. I know that you know fans didn't like where his game ended up, but like all of a sudden now on that bottom six, you have a guy that's like it's just a question mark. It's a deterrent. It's it's okay. Well, he can move anywhere up the lineup. We've seen it for the time that was here, but at the same time, you get him in the bottom end of your lineup and guys are starting to question whether they want to do, you know, different things. And, you know, because he was unpredictable. So like his wires could cross, right? It it could cross. And and I'm not saying that he, he wanted to do it or he was doing it, but it was just the fact that he was there in that lineup. That It was a presence that I think changed people's minds. And now with the Oilers, like, they are a full skill team through and through. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think we'd be having this conversation if they came out the way that New Jersey did every single night, which was like, we're a core, we're a, we're a Ferrari and we're going to play Ferrari hockey. But right now it's like, they're dressed up as a Ferrari, but really they're like, uh, I don't know. Uh, a Dodge well, they're like a Nissan right <laughs> yeah. now. Like that's how they're playing. Like yeah. they're a Nissan until they get down to, you know, Ask Leduc and there's no cops. Now they're like, okay, we'll be Ferraris again. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're going to be that, then be that. Yeah. Who's the, I, that's I just lo- how I feel about them. Yeah, I loved your comment there, Sean, about, uh, um, you know, Cassian, because this town is, the fans here are, are incredible. It's like, we're going to get on Zach Cassian's game because he's bottom six. And I don't know what they expected out of him last year or the year before but we're gonna love a guy like Pugliarvi because he can touch his nose with his tongue and eats pizza but I mean like what are we doing like I would trade for one Cassian I'm sorry and I know 
I don't know if you guys listen to this podcast. I ride him more than anybody probably in this city. I've never seen an, a more unathletic professional athlete in my life. I've honestly, I, I think he's got a negative hockey IQ and I'm not just trying to be funny. I'm just, I'm being straight up honest. And he keeps getting promoted. Like this guy's still playing with Connor. What, what has he done to earn that? I don't understand what is going on with that issue. Like, man, I don't even care what we're paying him. I don't care at all. Like when I used to play NHL, like 2011, I, guys like that, I bury him in the minors. Gone. Me and, me and Robertson. Nope, gone. I know that's just a video game, but that's just the way. I know, I know it's a different thing here now, but man, oh man, like, what do the fans want here? Do we want guys that are willing to go out every night and sacrifice themselves for a win? Or do we want guys like that? that that's just me. And, and to, your, to your question about, you know, do we think that – I'm with Clay. If these guys come out and think that they have this attitude that, oh, we're just going to catch up, I, they just got their lunch fed to them by Carolina. That was terrible. They got their lunch fed to them last night by, by uh, New Jersey. So – if those guys go back to the locker room right today and go, I think we're a playoff team, zero chance. Like that, my mentality, and I know I'm an old school guy, but I ain't going back to the locker room and thinking I'm a playoff team after those games. Zero chance. I think Sorry, sorry, go ahead, Josh. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Like I don't I don't disagree with you guys in any stretch the like by any stretch of the imagination. Do I think they're a playoff team? Hundred percent they're a playoff team. The problem is, how do you get to the playoffs if you keep doing this one foot forward, two steps back? Yeah. You know, yeah. like I was listening to uh, 1260 today on my way home, and Rashad is talking about how they're a playoff team, and it's just the, you know, the November, December lull. But like, okay, if that's fine, sure. There's always going to be lulls in the season. I know that when I played, same thing. Yeah, you get in the dog days of the season, you're like, man, this is a drag. You know, like, let's just fight through it. I get that part. But you were just at the Western Conference Finals last year. And you got, I don't want to say you got embarrassed, but you got swept. Where's the fire to come out and say, you know what? Okay, we are that team. We want to be the next team. And every single time we strap up, like, we're going to put up six goals on you because we can. We're not going to wait. We're just going to come out. And if you're not ready, it's going to be five, nothing before the end of the first. And I think the problem is, is that we haven't seen that. And it is a bigger issue because it's every single year for the last four years that we've seen this. Mm -hmm. And so when does, and I think that's why they can, they kept Mike Smith around. I think that's why they traded for Duncan Keith, because those guys were a veteran leaders that, yeah. you know, in Keith's, in Keith's scenario, he was a guy that went to the Stanley Cup Finals multiple times. Yeah. He, he played. He played in some of the biggest games that a hockey player can play in. Mike Smith, is an, he is a fiery guy. He is a competitor. You can say whatever you want about Mike Smith. I played with him in the minors. The guy is a fiery competitor. And if you're not ready to go, he might take your head off. So – it's those kind of things is where I think that they just, that's why they kept guys like that around and they brought guys like that in because they needed that bump. Some of the young guys need that bump. And right now you've lost that. So to go back to your original question, Josh, was that, you know, are some of the young guys missing that? 
hundred percent they're missing that. I think I think Keith is like another coach on the ice. So when he comes off, yeah, Dave Manson's going to give it to me. But at the same time, I've got another guy that's my D partner. That's another coach. He's helping me through all of it. He's helping with these little details of stick on puck and, you know, body position and, you know, where to make your slip plays and whatever little detail you possibly can find in the game. Duncan Keith's done that for 15 years. And now he's my D partner telling me all those things. Like that's real experience on the job, in the fire, in the mix, whatever you want to call it. I think they miss those guys big time. Mm-hmm. I, I want to pose a question. And I've, I've kind of said this for a few years now where I look at, you know, teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins when, when Sid had Mario, you know, you look at, um, you know, Iggy had his guy. Like, do you feel that the, the Oilers, when was the last time we had a guy, a true leader that's been through wars, that's been through playoffs, that's been through, um, you know, Stanley Cups to come into this, this core and teach them what it takes, not just to be a winner, but what it takes to be a professional. I, I feel like it's been missing for 10 plus years, right? And, and, and going back to what you said about Smitty and, and Keith, like that was, it was invaluable for those guys to have those two guys on the team. And I know, I know like I'm good friends with Dustin. So, so, you know, he'd fill me in on some Mike Smith stuff and he's a winner, man. Like he, in my mind, he was the leader of that team last year. I, I, and I'm just throwing that out there. So why, why haven't that hasn't that been addressed for the last you know 10 plus years is like let's get an Iggy guy. I know those guys are they're hard to get, but man, that would be my first thing. We got the the best player probably in the last how many years, and we're not doing anything about it to come in and and then teach this guy. Like I, I don't know. It's just it mesmerizes me. Yeah, there's a there's an interview I heard the other day with Patrice Bergeron, and uh it was really nice. Um uh, Belzy, you, you obviously you played with him there and, and uh, were part of his uh, his career earlier on. But one of the cool things I, I thought that he said, uh, and he was talking to Elliot Friedman about it, is when he uh, when he was in Boston and uh, they were playing, they were going back to Vancouver to play Game Seven, and uh, they were like, "Oh, did we practice? Did we not practice the day before the game?" And Mark Recchi was on the team, and Reck and Recchi, um and Bergeron asked him a question about, have you ever, like, how does game seven go? Like, have you ever lost one? And he's like, no, he's like, I won cups in game sevens. And just the element that Mark Recchi had and the aura and the confidence he had, he said that, that having him there was so huge that calmed that group down and, and really was, uh, was a huge part of like helping them get over that hump and, you know, went into a nice, had a nice practice, had a nice lunch, um, just set up the day pretty in a, in a pretty great way where you know you didn't you got you weren't nervous and when he walked away he walked like after that conversation they knew they were winning game seven in Vancouver there's like no question that they were not going to lose that game um just after that kind of that comment and him being around the team but Belzy is there a guy out there that you think um you know that can bring that do you think they're missing someone like that up front I do think they're missing that up front like you know, a couple of years back, you had Matt Hendricks. Uh, he was kind of a life and soul guy. He was a guy that, you know, 
sell out block shots. He was the ultimate team guy. He was a leader. I think that, you know, Lucic in his own right was a little bit of that guy. Um, I think it it's <clears throat> there was a missed opportunity when Connor had his first year. Ginla was sitting out there um, mm-hmm. as a free agent. And you bring in a guy like Jerome Ginla and you say, okay, we're going to teach you with Jerome. This is one of the best captains in the history of hockey. And you have him coming in to teach Connor. Drysaddle was there. Nuge was still young at that time. I think that was the opportunity to go and have that guy. Um, but right now, like, I, I feel like it's so much Connor and Leon's team now. It's hard to bring in you know, that grizzled veteran captain, because now it's going to be conflicting. Well, whose team is it? You know, does that veteran player come in and say, well, like, you know, no, no, this is how I do things. And this is how it should be done. You know, maybe that becomes a situation where it's like your, your button heads, Um, you know, with Smith or with uh, Keith last year, it was a perfect scenario because he wanted to be closer to his kids it was just a really good situation where he can come in. He was at the end of his career. He was almost retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a different voice as opposed to, you know, a guy that's still got some tread on the tire and he's coming in, you know, trying to impose his will. Um, okay. There's, is there anyone on our current roster that's won a cup? I don't think so. Murray, so. Murray, uh, Murray did. There, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Murray. Yeah. Uh, uh, the um, more I mean, you, a support role, but you, you miss you lose Smith, who was a guy that had never lifted it. And so I remember reading interviews of guys watching like and seeing that. Yeah, they commented on his age, but the fire and he was just motivated to win the cup. So I think just having someone around like that, whether they say a word or not, just to see the drive that they're still here chasing that. And also that it's a reminder that this is not a given. People will spend 20 years like Mike Smith in the league and never get to lift that cup. So whether you made the cup finals or you're in back-to-back, like playing for the cup back-to-back years, it's never a given. So again, I go back to like through a trade or a waiver wire, like could you bring someone in like that? That is just, just by their presence is that reminder that like, oh shit, like this guy's in the dog days of his career. He's never won. Like, you know, uh, we can blink and be in that position. Cause again, like we talked about this Connor and nurse they've blinked and they've been here for close to 10 years. Um, and um, the only other thing I like, I Rupper, you mentioned like Paul Yarby coming back up the first line. And I, I, you know, I have some time for him in certain roles, but like, it's just a, a byproduct of they're all the same player. Like who's the tough guy. Like, Clem Costin's done a great job. And then finding someone that fits with McDavid has been such a challenge, which was why it was always Leon and Connor or why, and then why Kane and the loss of Kane is so amplified. So for me, again, it goes back to like, we're, yes, we're not a quarter of the way in. We're tied for a wild card spot. I'm not panicking. I'm like, Bell, I think we make the playoffs, but I don't want to just make the playoffs. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to, be in there to make some noise. And I think there's been enough of a sample size just from what's happened this year for Holland to do a very unholland like thing and make an early move. So anyways, yeah. 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 You you asked the question of like, you know, guys that are across the league right now. Um, 
One kid that I think would be a hell of a fit would be that Giovanni Smith out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like 23, 24, six foot four, 220. He'll fight anybody. He plays hard. He's a he man. Can play on the penalty kill too. Yeah. He can yeah. play in the penalty kill. I think there was the opportunity to get Corey Perry a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Ryan Getzlaff was out there for a little bit. Obviously, he chose going back to Anaheim, which I don't blame him. Anaheim or Edmonton in the middle of February. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, there there is guys across the league that you can go out and get. But do they make that big of a difference? Mm-hmm. Clem Costin, I feel has come in and he has earned a spot permanently because he is different than the other guys. Yeah. He goes around like, did you see that hit that he threw the other day? And then they right. came, yeah, here he in killed that kid. Yeah. And I'm like, who else has done that all year? Like, yeah. that is, to me, I'm like, okay, well, all of a sudden that just added a little bit of a temperature to the game. Like now you got a guy like him in the lineup, you know, can he spark some other guys and get those guys going? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, what's crazy is like, they kind of miss an Archibald. Yeah. So whatever you want about his style and what he did, but like, Stanley Cup that was like a little ball of hate. All he did was run around and try to put guys in the 15th row of the building. But guys don't like doing that. Like the last thing you want as a defenseman is to go back for a puck and get your lips pasted against the glass 15 times in a row. Cause you're probably like, yeah, I don't really care about touching this puck again because I don't want to get hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you I, guys go ahead? Did you guys see uh like I I think I fell in love with Klim when uh Edler hit McDavid with the questionable hit? I actually thought Klim was coming off the bench to lay a whooping on him. I, it looked like one of the coaches grabbed him, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I got time for this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's a character that you want in the room, right? And uh, you know, he he's has, a thick man. He is, yeah. Like he, had to, boy. <laughs> he had the taste of the NHL, and then it kind of got away from him. And then now you're back, and you're like, I'm never losing that taste ever again. So, what, what, uh, what did you guys think? How, how, how do you guys think Yanmark's been up there with that, that uh, with McDavid? Because his kind of first and second game, I thought he was actually doing pretty well he was getting mcdavid the puck and he was actually getting to open ice for mcdavid to get the puck back to him um and i haven't seen that for a while from another guy what are your guys thoughts on him yeah i don't mind him i think he he does some good things he's he's been in the league for a long time he's a solid veteran player that's got he's put up some numbers uh, nothing crazy but he's always been consistent yeah. with his numbers um I, I'm more surprised that he's just getting opportunities now as opposed to like being consistently in the lineup um, all year. Yeah. 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 I think uh, my comment earlier on it, like being between his years, like you look at his historical stat line, it's pretty solid. Um, but then again, it's, he's never played with the McDavid. And so if that wasn't McDavid, are you going to be like, as in are you like, I think some of those chances he's getting, he's probably buries cause he's, but, uh, you know, give him a few more games. Hopefully it starts to go in because, you know, um, I can't imagine what it would be like to receive a pass from him and expect it to go in. So, yeah, he looked pretty good in that Vegas game with them. Too. They had that one burst there. And uh, I think we all kind of know Dylan Holloway is going to go down to the minors once uh, t- uh, Tyler Benson is uh, is healthy after his conditioning stint. I think that's one, one thing uh, we'll see there. At least that it, it's another element that, 
is might be a little bit different from your bottom six as we've seen in in Benson's little short spurts that he's had the last couple of years, um, especially the start of the year last year and the year before, is that he can hit. Um, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people talk about his skating, but uh, anything else you guys want to hit on before we move on to uh, a few other topics here? I don't know, Josh. Uh, Forty-five minutes of Oilers bashing is probably good. Yeah, I see. that's pretty. Uh, I think we decided we decided this dissected it pretty good here. So. Problems are all solved now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have the roadmap. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's always a, it's always a conversation with them when they don't start off the way they do. They obviously uh, they're the heartbeat of the city for uh, for a lot of reasons. So uh, we'll see what happens in the next uh, 20. Hey, hang on one sec. I got Holland on the other line. He's offered me a job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Paul Coffey last year. He came in around this time of last year too, to help out. But uh, uh, then- the two months podcast is brought to you by free bars and free bars are arguably the best tasting energy bar. You might have heard free bars on the podcast before, and maybe you've tried them at Edmonton's most popular farmer's markets. Free bars focus on three main things for their bars. One, free bars are free of priority allergens, including peanuts, nuts, dairy, eggs, gluten, and soy. Second, free bars taste great. I was talking to Luke, the man behind free bars, and the comments they get while sampling is always positive. Everyone loves how they taste. Three, they are full of healthy and whole ingredients, nothing artificial and no preservatives. Free bars are made right here in Edmonton and they are quickly popping up in stores around the city. Free bars use a mixture of hemp hearts, honey and gluten-free oats as their base. And then there are the three flavors, chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip and the popular coconut. Free bars list of ingredients is short. Like in the coconut, there's just hemp hearts, honey, gluten-free oats, shredded coconut, and coconut oil. That's it. As school gets back into the swing of things and hockey season starts, parents and kids are bringing free bars to the rink as a healthy, delicious snack. Want to try? Listeners of this podcast will get 20% off with the promo code TWOMUTS. That's one word, TWOMUTS, and the discount will be applied at checkout. Learn more about free bars by visiting us at Strathcona's Farmer's Market, Bountiful Farmer's Market, and St. Albert Farmer's Market, or online at freebars.ca. Want to pick it up at the store? Check out freebars.ca for a full list of our realtors. Don't forget the promo code, two months, and have arguably the best tasting energy bar today. That's free bars. Uh, so uh, we just want to plug another sponsor uh, who's going to join us this year. That's Brody McIntyre. He's our resident uh, real estate agent. Uh, the closer. Uh, closer, a.k.a. the closer. Uh, so Brody's, uh, yeah, um, give us a good ad read here of what, uh, you know, what, what people can look for and how they can get a hold of you and uh, how long you've been in the industry for, too. Hey, well, keep her quick, man. I've been doing this since 2004. Uh, do 99% residential, kind of the greater Edmonton area. I work with Remax, so we have the biggest market share out here. So yeah, it's a good, good time to be alive and in real estate. Lots going on and turning to a little bit of a buyer's market, but we can help you with uh, entry level housing. Investments are really big right now. Rents are high, so if you want to invest. It's a great time, and you're getting big money on rentals. So 
Give me a shout anytime, Remax Professionals, 780-777-3694. Perfect. All right, short and sweet. Well done, Brody. Look at the Broads coming in the closer. So, <laughs> That's uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. If you guys are looking at, at getting a hold of Broads, uh, just give him a shout. Uh, you also can follow him on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. He's in our bio. So, if you're wondering what the what his handle is, just look at our bio. It's in there, as everyone else is. Coach Rupper here from Two Mutts. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Now let's grab a knee. Have I got a deal for you? We have teamed up with Manscaped and we can save you some big time coin this upcoming NHL season. Guys, are your sticks and pucks getting hairy in the corners? And gals, is your goalie still using horsehair coopers? Well, let's wake up! Use the code 2MUTS to save 20% plus free shipping on Manscaped products. Listen, we all love to score and we all want to win the cup. Why not do it on a fresh, clean, smooth sheet of ice? That way we all win. Manscaped is the only way to go. Again, the code is 2MUTS to save 20% plus free shipping on Manscaped products. Now let's bring it in. Manscaped on three. One, two, three. Andy, we'll throw to you. You can uh, go down uh, some minor hockey conversations here with Beller. No, I, we, we were talking offline. I, you know, I, I, we all come from the, the club ranks, right. And, and, and club hockey and we're talking 10, 15 years ago. And I remember when I first got into coaching, you know, against Sean and, and that, that KC team you guys had, and I was with Draper and I had McDonald and Rutledge and Chibi and, and all that and Phaneuf and, and anyway, I remember as I got into coaching and, and down the ranks, everybody was talking about how Academy was, it was a whisper back then. And this was early 2000s. And then, you know, Toronto had always had that, what, you know, perceived as an outlaw. They always had that private league stuff that kind of went on. And, and now here we are, you know, 2022, and we got, you know, we've got club hockey kind of, minimizing if you will and you got academy really really taking off um you got uh hsl coming up through the ranks of minor hockey and really really dominating a lot of the the stronger players are starting to go there and and you know it's kind of a, a balance people have options you know i i'll be honest with you i was the hugest i was against hsl trevor knows this i was now, you know, it's it's a fly by night league and, and now I see it and how they run it and, and being Trevor being involved and watching how they things are done and, and ha- having more of an open mind, I guess. Now I'm seeing club hockey. A lot of people are questioning, um, you know, is club hockey the row? Not the route, but is what's better? What what options do people have? I'm coaching you 15 now, tier one, and I've got I've got a lot of first year kids. Um, I've got a lot of second year kids that are just, they're content playing community. I coach Sarah tier one and, and, but, but now I'm hearing this, this junior prospects league and I've, I've kind of tried to follow it, but I mean, I've got a lot on my plate. I, I just, I kind of every now and then I'll, I'll pick and choose Sean. I, I know you're heavily involved in it. What 
can you explain what's what's happening with that league and and what it's called what it's about and and yeah i can uh, i guess of it? yeah like I'll, I'll just i'll kind of backtrack into the minor hockey world and then i'll I'll, yeah. I'll speed forward to the JPHL. Like, you know, obviously, you know, we, I think all of us come from in some way, shape or form, the minor hockey world. Um, Cause when we were all younger, that's the only thing that was there. And, and the Don and hockey program was kind of the first of its kind, which was like, you know, that, that Academy styled hockey or something that's going to give you a little bit extra. And, you know, as we kind of went through time, minor hockey still did its thing and, you know, unfortunately, with minor hockey, it is the same guys that when we were playing are the same board members today. And unfortunately for them, hockey has changed considerably. It's changed considerably with younger age levels. It's changed considerably with the skill sets. Everything is different. So you can't consistently come back to the exact same thing over and over and over again. And what happened was that the CSSHL, and I like to call it the sizzle because saying all those letters at one time is a mouthful, um, came along and it did something that I don't think minor hockey was ready for. It started developing players and it started polishing players more than anybody would have thought. And the biggest difference is that when you go to an OHA or an NAX, you have professional coaches, like their sole job is to coach. And when they're not coaching, they're sitting in office trying to figure out how can I help these players develop and they get paid accordingly. So, you know, when I was at OHA, it was myself, Sean Bissell, Serge Lejoie, uh, Ryan Wilkinson, that's what we did. And, you know, because players were on the ice five days a week or up to five days a week and they were in the gym and they were doing video sessions, all of a sudden these players just started flourishing and blossoming so much quicker. And so if you're a scout sitting in the stands, you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go over to the sizzle game and I'm going to watch these guys because, you know, lines one, two, and three, are probably going to be better than line one of minor hockey. And that's not taking a shot at minor hockey. That's just presenting you with a fact because those guys are practicing every day. These guys, well, they've got coaches that are showing up from their job, wherever that is. They're showing up half an hour before practice. They're putting their practice plan together there. And then they're trying to execute it. And you might practice two times a week. You might practice maximum three. So how are you supposed to compare that? So the CSSHL, the sizzle came along and they really messed up hockey. And one of the things that I find is that the price tag has gone up so much and has turned into such a business that parents are you know, taking out second mortgages out of their house. They are doing whatever they can to get to these programs. And as a coach, when I was at OHA, trying to ask a family to spend $34,000 to play minor hockey, for me, like that's against my morals. I can't even bother doing that because how could I have played 
if it was $34,000. And I, I would suggest that I, well, I'd probably say that and assume that most of us here wouldn't have been able to do that. And so everybody is now thinking, okay, well, let's get to the sizzle. Then the HSL comes along. And what does the HSL do? Well, they want to change hockey because they want to make it affordable for everybody. They want to give somebody a different option of going to minor hockey, worrying about politics, worrying about parents on the boards, worrying about how can my son get screwed over. And, you know, I don't use that word like loosely, like it happens every single year because there's a parent on the board who's got a buddy who gets his kid on the team and the kid that's better isn't on the team because his dad isn't friends with the board member. It happens every single year in every single program. So do you want to be part of that? A lot of parents said, no. Can you pay enough money to be in the sizzle? Some can, some can't. So the HSL came online and, you know, it's obviously it's turned into to what it is. And, you know, with the, with the silent ice group, everybody thinks they're like the big bad boogeyman that's just trying to screw up hockey, but really <laughs> and they're that, just like trying said, to, yeah. I, like, I thought that when it, I mean, I was minor hockey through and through, I, I came up through self side coaching, playing, whatever. And I thought that, but over the last probably four years, my mind has opened up and I'm, I'm starting to, to realize, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, that, that's all good because it, it is a real thing. And, and yeah. I experienced it because I'm trying to recruit through for the JPHL. Like, you know, it's a, the HSL, the JPHL are outlawed leagues, but well, why are they outlawed? Well, that's a question you got to ask yourself. But at the end of the day, the HSL came online because they wanted to give an option for families that said, we don't want the politics and we don't want to pay crazy amounts of money. So what happened was they found that a lot of the players were first year bantam and then they would leave and they would take off to go to the CSSHL. So they sat there and they said, okay, well, what can we do to prevent this from happening? Because clearly we have a really good product in the HSL up till first year bantam. Mm -hmm. How can we change this? So obviously you know, the academies being the best developmental model, they came up with the JPHL, which is basically an academy version. Um, well, I guess not a version. It's just, it's another academy league that A, has a lower price tag. It is a league which the, the JPHL owns all the teams. So it's not, you know, NEX versus OHA. It's HC Edmonton recruits for them. But if there's an opportunity to send a player to another team, well, we're going to send that player to another team because we want to create a situation where it's best on best. It's the best players are part of this league and we're all going to help each other get better so that our league flourishes at the end of the day. So the amount of times that we sit on, on, you know, on calls and we're sitting there like, Hey, here's my roster. Can you use my roster to help recruit some kids for you so that we're all just pushing in the same direction, which is a very, very big difference than what a lot of minor hockey and, you know, the CSSHL is doing. So, you know, it's, it's definitely an alternative option that's kind of sits right in the middle of minor hockey academies, but we'll give you everything developmentally that we possibly can. So, 
for my hub, we do skill sessions every single day. We've got power skating. We've partnered with Power Edge Pro. We work out at my gym, Seven Hockey. Uh, we do that every day. We've got partnerships with True Movement. We're partnered with Dr. Mrazek. So we do a lot of health check-ins, concussion testing. Um, we're really just at the end of the day trying to change the game uh, for the better because there needs to be a bit of a correction. And it's not like we're sitting here saying that we want to be you know, the outlaw league. We don't want to be the outlaw league. We would love to be sanctioned, but, you know, is Hockey Canada going to sanction us? I don't know. We've had talks with them. Does Hockey Alberta want anything to do with us? No. We've tried talking to them, but we just want to give families an option where they know they can be comfortable and they know that they can get bang for their buck and basically everything that they want. And that's really why we exist. Okay, HC Edmonton, I assume Hockey Club Edmonton is yeah. what. Um, I got I got a couple of one question. Are these kids all going to the same school or do they go to different schools? Yeah, so we go to Progressive Academy, um, okay. which is like a little private school located in Westmount. Um, I had never heard of it up until, you know, let's call it early August. Um, Richard Nault. Uh, it was a commissioner. We worked together last year in the, in the HSL. Um, he was, um, he, he was on the board actually for progressive Academy. And he's like, we need to check out the school. And I've fallen in love with the school academically. It is in the top three in the city of Edmonton. Um, these teachers, they care about their students. They, they want nothing more for them to thrive. And one story about that school and in this story is that we have a kid that left uh oha who had you know decent grades in english and math 75 and 78 respectively and the teacher said to him like listen these are fine marks but we want you to take them over so that you can get into whatever college you want not just a situation where you might be able to get into nate or you know whatever other school we want mm -hmm. you to be able to flourish and so he took him over again and he's got 95s across the board. So it's that level of attention, that level of detail that we feel with a program that we, we have on the ice, we've now matched it on the school side. And we feel really good about our program. And, uh, you know, we try to actively encourage kids to, to go to that school. And it's been a challenge because it's a tiny private school and they got to wear uniforms, but it uh they flourish in the, in the classroom for sure how many how many teams are in the league uh so in my in the u18 division there's eight teams in the league uh u15 there is six i believe and then the u14s i believe there's six as well nice so a couple teams didn't make it off the ground and how do people sign up if they want to get involved and put their kids yeah like you just you you reach out to you know the the hub gm so i would be one of the gms for for hc edmonton uh garrett meager is the uh gm for the titans oh, which is in, yeah. in spruce grove yeah um you know so there's there's some good there's some good hockey people across this yeah. league and um wade klippenstein who's i think he's a Director of Player Development for the Avs. He's the uh, GM down in Lethbridge. 
Uh, Kyle Tapp left the minor hockey system. He's a GM in Lloyd. Um, yeah, so just reach out, obviously, yeah. through the JPHL website and just uh, contact one of the GMs. Perfect. I, I know. I know. As a as a as a dad, as a hockey dad that has a couple kids, uh, one in HSL right now. I had both my kids in HSL. I had both my kids in minor hockey. Um, and I know. I, I like. I talked to Gertz last year a little bit. Um, you know, prior to our our caps team kind of folding. And not not really folding. It's just everybody was going to go their separate ways back to Bantam and back to club hockey and JPHL kind of, there was rumblings about them getting going and we didn't know this or that, but I'll tell you what, I like, I like the model. I like the hybrid system of, you know, it's, it's affordable. Um, it's bang for your buck, like you said, Sean, and it's just another option. And, and, and I think, I think the struggle for me being involved in, in, you know, both sides is, you know, you mentioned hockey Alberta and them just not even wanting to, you know, look at another Avenue or hockey Canada at the end of the day, they don't want it. And, and that's just, it's, it's sad because, you know, media comes and they're like, Oh, we're here for the kids. And you know what, that's to me, it's a load of crap and I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to slag anybody or throw them under the bus, but if they were really about the kids, they laugh but it's the truth like no, if, if, I, if, I agree if, with the, you, if the clubs if everybody was was here for I the agree kids, with you then it would not matter the jphl was going or the hsl going or whoever the hell was going it's just another option so so let that be an option sanction them for all for christ's sakes already i i don't know what the deal is you know what it comes down to i don't want to get in political stuff but it comes down to <clears> money and they're not getting their share, right? So, you know, this might set me up for a failure in the <laughs> with my kids at somewhere down the road. But it's got to be said, like no, enough enough. Canada won't last that long. <laughs> well, gonna, I don't know. I'll bring some of this up when we get into free play. But um, you know, when Sean went through that whole thing and he's talking about it, you know, it um, it kind of reminded me of playing, you know the clubs would, they didn't want you playing selects or NAA, like there was always something. And to me, it's why hockey legs so far behind every other sport. It's there's this fear of change and there's gatekeepers that have been there for a long time. And so when you find you run into a force like the Leckett brothers who can invest in whatever they want and do whatever they want and see that, okay, well, if, if there's a path to make some money by, providing a better path through hockey great but you know you don't amass a billion dollars and choose to just be uh to mess around with hockey they're doing this to to force change right like i loved everything about sean even before he was i knew that he was part of it because it's forcing disruption in the game i love that really hasn't changed like i know we're going to talk about herb carnegie in a little bit here and literally the same stuff that's happening almost 100 years ago we're going to talk about today right so you know I, I give them full marks for saying you know what we don't care if we're not sanctioned we don't care if hockey alberta is not doing this we're going to do it we're not forcing you to do it we're just providing the option and here we go like and i i you know i think everyone on this could agree that the game needs that you know so it's just, you know what, um, you, you, so, sorry i want to say one more thing 
you know what's awesome about the brothers is like they're they're with Seattle, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They own Seattle? Are they the owners? Yeah. And the and the and Spruce Grove Saints. Yeah. And Spruce Grove Saints. So listen, listen to how awesome this scenario is. I'm going to get involved in all this stuff and they take a lot of flack when it comes to the WHL draft because they're drafting kids out of the HSL from Spruce Grove or from the Saints Pro and this and that. And I know because I hear whispers, oh, why are they taking that kid? You know what? That's awesome. They already know that that's a good kid. He's got a great family. He comes from a great background. He's a good person on the bench. We want to put these guys, we want to put them here at this level, here at the next level, and here at the next level. Like, what a model is that? Like, that's unbelievable. There, well, Other clubs should take note and follow that. Well, Rupper, what they've created is essentially a, the European model. Yep. They've just they've said ultimately that their their top team is this as a uh, Seattle Thunderbirds. Their next top team is Spruce Grove Saints, and we're going to run you through our entire program, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to make one of our teams if you're that player. And if you look at it, they are the best team in the WHL as of right now, and they are one of the <laughs> best teams in the last ten years in junior a hockey and And nobody's catching them between them and brooks and brooks has a different thing so i don't want to talk about them but based on how they're doing their thing it is the best program in junior a hockey that's out there and you've got like five teams that you could say are rivaling the spruce grove saints and one of them is the brooks bandits but the other one's the penticton v's I think the Vernon Vipers have been studs for a long time yeah. and then pick one from Saskatchewan. Like, I don't know, but like, how can you argue with the model? And then and, Sean, taking it a step further too, right? You just talked about how you had the student athlete who was 75, 78. And so you guys are also building a pipeline, building infrastructure where, you know, you can have those conversations as 15 and 16 year olds. I know we talked to Arjun Awal not too long ago and he talked about having to decide dub aj what am i going to do so you have you're putting in place mentors and you're you literally have the pipeline to these these franchises and the academic support so but again i i it's really easy to talk about and i can see how if you've been a board member i don't know if this is actually the case but if you've been a board member for 50 years i can see how this is like going to rattle your cage because it's very different right like Well, so yeah, and I'll and I'll tell you one so I'll tell you a couple things. It's been trying to recruit as part of this league has been an absolute adventure. And I know my wife has been around for a lot of calls and she's seen my frustration because parents will say a couple different things. One, they'll say, I love your program, but I'm not coming. Well, is there a reason why? Uh well, yeah, because it like it affects my kid with Hawk Alberta. But does it? outside of the Alberta cup, which is literally every kid in Alberta going there. You can't tell me that that's the best hockey. They talk about the John Reed being like, that's the be all end all. And listen, I get it, but like, I never played the John Reed still got drafted. Like, are these, are these weekend tournaments, the be all end all that they're made out to be, but minor hockey 
the way that it's been talked about, they have been built up to say, yes, these are the biggest things going on in minor hockey. And if you are not part of them, you're not going to be in this league. I've had multiple parents sit there and say, you know, well, the exposure is not there. Well, what do you mean? Like, what, what's exposure in your eyes? You know, is it just the fact that scouts show up? Well, like, if we want to get into that game, well, I've been to, I've been to minor hockey games in the last week. I know how many scouts have been there. And I know how many scouts have been to our last game. So, like, if we really want to talk about the exposure piece, like, what are we talking about? So it's just really interesting to hear what parents have to say when they decide that they want to give you zero time. Um, so that's the one funny thing. And then the second funny thing is, like, I'll give you a story. And this happened actually with a kid on my team. So I recruited him a bit late, like the season had started for both us and the, and the minor hockey team that he played for. And I was just, I was persistent on it. And eventually I got him to come for shadow day and he showed up for a shadow day and he loved the product and what we were doing to the point where he decided to, you know, in the middle of the season, pack up and come over to us. So he had paid his deposit. He told the program that he was with, you keep my deposit. I understand that what I'm doing isn't going to be received well. It's not great. Keep my deposit. It is good. The head of that organization called him and said, you don't know what you're doing. You're making a terrible mistake. And if you think you're getting any money back, you don't even know who you're talking to right now. They proceeded to try to take the rest of the fees for the rest of the season from him. So without his knowledge, they, they build his credit card because it was an auto authorization. And so when he called and said, Hey, what are you doing? They're like, well, we have to fill this spot. You got to pay for all the ice time. And it's not my fault that you got up and decided to leave. So now you got to pay for the whole thing. Wow. That's so awesome. if you're if you're a program and that's what you're willing to say, as opposed to saying, okay, you know what, you decide to go somewhere else. What can we do to change so that this this doesn't happen again? That's what you're fighting right now. You're fighting people in so old school that they'd rather take your yeah. money than turn around and just flat out say. Is there something that we could have done differently to keep you around? Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you, you, you're saying the, the thing that, that I like that I take away from what you're saying is the scouting part. I'll tell you what, I don't care where you're playing. If you're playing Div 12 or CC or CSSHL or JP, the scouts are going to find you. If you're good enough, they will find you. It doesn't matter Listen, where I, you're playing. I, or what I was doing. in a U15 tier one tournament and we played this barhead team. I'm telling you, they had the defenseman. This kid's six one, probably a 2008, I would assume. This kid could play, but obviously, for fa maybe family reasons or whatever, he's not playing club or anything. This kid was a player. Like, yeah, they'll get found, Trevman. So, so was he a player like you that would no gonna okay. play junior B and then then quit <laughs> quit your last game <laughs> do a fight or what? What are we saying? 
No, he was a player. <laughs> he could play. Anyway, sorry, Trevor. I didn't mean. I know. Him. You know what? They, 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 this podcast has been one of the best. I think that we've. Done I love it. I think we're touching on some issues that I think people are scared to talk about because. Yep. You know they're scared to open their mouth and they're scared about some repercussions that might happen. And you know what? It is what it is. Like I think I think for us to move forward and you know we're gonna get into the free play stuff here soon, but. People got to understand that if you're here for the kids, then make it for the kids. Don't make it for yep. your pocketbook or don't make it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, Rupert, do you want to uh, touch base here with Sonny on uh, kind of the back-to-back brick tournaments here? I know your kids played in it, but uh, it'd be nice to kind of talk about the brick here before we kind of move on to a few other things. Yeah, let's try to make this under 30 minutes, Sonny. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can be I quick. know. <laughs> Really, we're really getting into one here. We're getting into the Joe Rogan style uh, three hour and thirty five minute podcast here. But um, I'm a big brick guy. I'm a big brick supporter. Uh, me and my family have loved it. You know, since you know, I, I can't even remember. And it, it, it's not just for the fact that my kid was involved because my kid was involved and then he wasn't involved, right? So he had a different story than I think a lot of kids did, but. Uh, I know the past three years for you guys have been really, really hard. And um, I'm glad to see you guys finally got the, the, the 2019 team, the 2020 team, and the 2021 team up on the, the wall there. It only took three years, but that was yeah. great. Um, no, but, you know, the last and, – and I said it to my wife, and, and um, I know last year was a struggle. I was at the uh, the twenty, and I my 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 little guy tried out and he didn't make it. And it, you know what? That was the best thing for him because it lit a fire. Not everybody can make it, but you guys did back to back tournaments. Just tell us what that was like because I was at both, and it looked like anarchy, man. It looked like yeah. literally you guys had no sleep. I mean, yeah, I, Team Alberta was going with the same coaches back to back and trying to run practices with both guys. So just tell us the struggles that you guys had the last couple of years, one with the, the 2010 being canceled and then having to go back to back with the 2011 and 2012s. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the double brick tournaments was, we were glad we were able to pull it off. Uh, our immediate assessment was that we will never do it again. Um, but we wanted to give every kid we could a chance to play, right? Like, um, it was never our intention for it to become, you know, this tournament that's actually talked about in the draft. And we weren't trying to create this so that scouts are coming to watch 10 year olds. Uh, all we ever wanted to do as a committee was, uh, we make a lot of decisions based on this one phrase, which is, is how close to an NHL experience can we make this tournament? Because, we hear all the guy, the stories of like Zegris and Caulfield and those are great, but those are still like such small percentage of it. So we want to make it as awesome for those kids. So that's why we decided to do two. Um, further complicating that was in order to do two, we had to, for the first time ever, use a secondary rink, um, which was like a whole other animal because coming out of COVID, we knew that the volunteer pool might be strained. Um, if people hadn't been away in two years to ask someone to give their time for 13 days to be in the mall, like you kind of have to be a crazy person like like me and our committee. Um, and we felt that. So 
you know, for the first time ever, we didn't have goal judges in the first tournament um, because we couldn't, uh, we had such a hard time filling those needs. And then, um, you know, some of the incidents that came up, uh, I was reminded by uh, Chris Masters, who runs the Boston Junior Bruins. Um, he said that just to act like a duck and, you know, it's good to be running around frantic because right now to us, everything seems like perfect. So um, we got along fine and we pulled it off. There was things that just didn't meet our standard. But I think if you ask any kid that played there, um, they had a great experience. And so the first, the, the, the mini tournament was condensed. So they had three days round Robin and then the playoffs, uh, they missed like the beach party, which is like, you know, that's like the legendary thing for the tournament. And that was purely coming down to timing and funding, right? Like that party costs a lot of money. And, um, you know, without, we, we didn't want to have to hammer teams with huge increases to fees to offset two of these. Um, so we, we, we opted out of it. Um, and then, you know, coming out of it, um, you know, general thoughts every year, the level of hockey gets higher and higher. Um, American programs are for real. Um, anyone that hasn't caught, caught on to the fact that like, you know, the U S could very seriously overtake Canada as like a, as like a premium hockey country is out to lunch, like Connecticut has won the last three brick tournaments. Um, and then during COVID when, when uh, we didn't do a tournament, some of our franchises did a mini tournament at West Ed. They also won that one. So, you know, you got Connecticut that would have put up four in a row. And um, I don't know exactly what their model is, but like what's obvious is they're pumping out very good hockey player, uh, players. And, um, and it wasn't just them, like uh, Minnesota was quite strong. And um, so, you know, that's a traditional hockey market. It wasn't as surprising. Um, and, you know, Toronto was good, uh, maybe a little weaker than in past years. Brick had, you know, a so-so go, I, I would say. Um, one thing that always makes my job easy is, like, I, I find out when the team is made, you know, the same day as anyone else else would. Uh, I have nothing to do with, like, the hockey ops side. I literally just run the volunteers and the camera and stuff. But uh, it, it was a lot. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we still you still get the negativity coming out of it, which, you know, at this point, we just kind of, like, you know, slide off our back. Um, but we were, again, we were glad we did the double tournaments to expose the two age groups, but uh, never again. Yeah, for sure. I liked, uh, first of all, you're really pumping Connecticut's tires and I'm not a big fan. Um, <laughs> still a little bit of bad blood uh, with the 2019 team. And I'd actually have to say, if we put got the 2019 team together from Alberta today, and match them up with Connecticut, I think we'd walk them. To be quite honest with you, it wouldn't be close. One player that comes to mind is Landon DuPont. That's all yeah. we need. That's all That's all it would take for us. Just get him the puck and we would just, you know, we're drinking champagne, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, like even even what you said about Alberta, um, I, I'm not, I was at all the games and I saw both teams and, uh, I'd, I'd relate the 2011 team to kind of, you know, the Oilers, they had a lot of the same guy where the 2012 team, I thought they had a little bit more jam and a little bit more, 
guys willing to go into the corner. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to slag them at all by any stretch of the imagination. It's just year to year. It's just different as you know, with any club and any team, right. Um, if you could kind of <laughs> mix those two teams together, I think that would have been an absolute powerhouse. Um, uh, what are, what are, uh, when do you guys start going on this year? Is, is that like kind of uh, the end of the tournament last year, you guys, the next day are firing up and starting to prepare for about 2013s. Yeah. Like we, so I've already been in half a dozen meetings. Uh, there's some stuff we have to change, uh, coming out of the tournament and we're assessing like, uh, new vendors and all that kind of stuff. Like just that kind of thing we start to deal with as a board. I believe they start looking at the team, like in December, January, but I, I don't even know. I know they have like that combine model. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, it literally picks up right away. Cause you got to start with, you know, you got to secure the ice. Cause now there's all these other programs trying to emulate what the tur brick tournament's doing. And so, you know, what, the last thing we need to do is assume we have that slot and it's gone. And then, you know, we're working with BioSteel and we're working with all these different sponsors and like, trying to get it uh just trying to create like a better experience better bang for your buck for these these kids that are going and then um you know uh, we came under fire on a couple podcasts this year just like wrongfully associated with stuff that's not us and you know i think some people were trying to push that this was our agenda that we're trying to brand ourselves as like if you don't play in this tournament you don't have a future and again that's like we don't sit in a boardroom trying to figure this out like yeah, in, in a lot of ways, it kind of started happening because Gene Principe did this special on us and it was awesome and it brought us into focus. But like, again, we're just uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't think there's anyone on the board that truly cares if there's 10 kids from this year that went to the NHL or uh, or none. It's just we care about the quality of our tournament. Now, when it happens, I think it was uh, the Zegers year. Uh, no, not two or three years ago uh, in the world juniors, it was something like 80% of the rosters between Canada and, and uh, the U S played in our tournament. So those are nice things for us to like talk about, but again, that's not, that was never the intention. It's more of a byproduct. Um, yeah. And then uh, Rupert, I was going to ask, was your, your son was on the team with Aussie and yeah. 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 Do, like I remember I got interviewed by Stoffer and uh, I've been at that tournament for 20 years. Like I was still playing Southside when I got roped into volunteering. And the only two other kids that remind me of, or like, he was so good. The only two that I thought of were Caulfield and um, going all the way back to Daniel Sprong, who ended up, yeah. but like, like DuPont was like literally firing clappers from the blue line, like bar South. And I, I've, yeah. I've heard he's ripping it up still. <laughs> so, uh, Oh yeah. 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 It, 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 you know what? And, and the stuff that you're saying is the stuff that I think, um, when you're involved at, at a, at a parent level and you have a son involved in it, that that's, that's all you hope for. I mean, my wife and I, and I, I can guarantee you, I bet the keys to my house, you talk to Brody and, and his wife and, you know, everybody involved in that 2019 team that our, our, our goal, I, I, if my kid goes as far as he can and that ends up being midget somewhere, then that's great. You know, it, the brick tournament for us was, um, it made me feel like 
a part of a tournament again, like I was growing up where, you know, you'd go to Calgary or Abbotsford as a kid and you trade tins and there'd be a table set up and, you know, there's music playing and there's just other things going on. And I think, I think when these kids get older, they're not going to remember who won and who lost. They're going to remember, man, we rolled those animals around the, the mall or the, the pool party the or, party. you know, the beach party, the, the milk and cookies, the team Alberta does the hang and the meeting new kids like that. That's gone guys. I'm telling you that's gone as, as somebody that's been around spring hockey and other tournaments and you show up to a rank. I don't even feel like I'm in a tournament. Here's three, here's three K uh, here's some ice. Like it's nuts, man. And, and I, I think that that's what the brick is all about. Well, thank you. Uh, do, do- do you, uh, do you know what the number one thing we hear of as like from the parents and uh, the players is like, uh, like the most memorable moment from the tournament? The Jersey exchange. The Jersey really? exchange. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. remember the beach party from my day. <laughs> I yeah. saw your right cheek. I saw that yeah. right cheek. Yeah. Because like you, you were wearing Speedos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a little 10 year old wearing a Speedo yeah, and we got sent home. They, they called you hot buns. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, the beach party would probably be like second, but it's it's that that jersey exchange, and we laugh about it because as the organizers, it's like literally our highest stress moment because it's like you got the teams that are playing with their skates, you got lots of kids in slides. You guys know what that ice is like. Like you get those spots where it's just super slippery. So you just kind of are just like holding your breath and hoping for the best. And, but it's like, it's chaos. Right. And like, it's only at that age group. Can you have like Connecticut from this past year celebrating and taking their photos and like 160 other kids just having the time of their life, really not caring that the winners are right there. They're just now getting another sweater, (laughs) Mm -hmm. seeing their friends and, uh, and off they go. So um yeah you're you're right that was the that was honestly being on the ice with everybody and taking pictures and seeing these kids running up to guys that they just met and said I want to trade jerseys it it was incredible and and let I want to ask you a question when when did that ice when did the ice plant get redone was it was it the Uh, winter of 2019 no, it was a couple of years before that. It like actually blew. I want to say it was like 2016. Like the, the plant okay. actually went down in the middle of the tournament. So like, yeah, we have in, internally, we have this hilarious memo of like Craig Styles, our chairman. And he, we were, I'm not I like no exaggeration. Our committee, like every time there was a whistle, there'd be like 10 of us frantically on the ice with squeegees and mops, like doing whatever we could just to try and, uh, and then there- Yes, there were rigid. I'll never forget that because the, you had the the ice by the boards, and then it like sunk down. Yeah, there was a it, bump. It, and then it came back up at center ice and went down on the other side. Guys were wiping out. You couldn't even pass a puck. I don't even oh. know how you guys did that tournament. Oh, it was hard. And there was a, at one point, it, it was the closest, the closest I've ever seen us have to cancel some games. Because at a couple of points uh, that particular year, it was also the first year we put our logos in the ice. So this was a great thing until the ice started melting and like parts of the brick B were like concrete. <laughs> and so you're like, have a uh, plan B? no, we, uh, so we, we, um, we've now have contingency plans. Yeah, okay. um, at that point we brought in, like, there was two issues that happened in that year. The Zamboni broke and then the compressor broke. 
So at that point, we're just kind of like, let's just see what happens. And like, uh, if we have to delay, like we were going to push back games, run things late and then go off site if needed. And then, uh, uh, but since then we've, we've built in like, you know, contingency plans, but you know, not they at the mall triple five actually like they did a great job. Like they, they invested heavily in that whole facility. They read the boards, they redid the, the like the, the score clock in there and the halo is like very legit. Um, and, you know, largely because of us and then turn of course they're going to try and bring more tournaments like us there. I know hockey super leagues uses them a lot and which is great. Like it's good for everyone. Yeah. Can that, why can't they use that circular thing in the middle? Can, can you operate that as a scoreboard? I'm sick of rubbernecking. I'm sick of looking at like getting a kink in my neck, looking on that one side. I'm like, yeah, every I, time we go there, I say, why can't they just use that damn thing? I, again, like the, the long and short, you could, it's just um, the mall uses that primarily as like a marketing piece for like their, their people right like so we've been there for 30 years and i think throughout the entire tournament we were allocated like three or four pieces and so it, the only way you get on it is you, you you pony up the dough like but they're they're very accommodating with using like the actual score clock it's just we had to better understand like the technical side to be able to run video in game and switch and stuff and so we'll get better with that but the halo that, that that halo piece, I think it's just a matter of paying mall marketing. All right, uh, well that's uh, that's amazing. Uh, so great, uh, great to to you know talk about the brick tournament and uh, yeah, I was a part of there. Um, went there that one time uh, when Rupper's kids was playing. It was pretty awesome to. Hey, we're we got to broadcast live there, Bosco. I told Bosco last year. I ran into him, yes, and I yes. was like, Bosco, "Why are we not doing yeah. that?" Yes, he's he did I, call me out on that. So, week <laughs> for the week. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, we'll get on it for sure because uh, Rupper's down my throat too to get on at the John Reed Memorial. So we'll uh, figure some things out there. But Bell can get us out to a JPHL game. And, yeah, like exactly. come on. Yeah, we'll uh, set you up nice. Yeah. All right, we'll do that for sure. Um, I, before we jump into free play, I know there's a few things uh, I want to talk about, um, but I thought it was pretty cool and, you know, kind of see uh, Herb Carnegie get in, inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Finally, uh, he got recognized uh, for the great things that he's done to uh, to get, you know, where he is and get recognized. And uh, I thought his, uh, his family did an amazing job during the ceremonies, but uh, I want to throw to you, Beller, and um, the importance that um, Herb had on you. Um, I don't know if you've ever came in contact with him throughout your career as a, as a professional, but, uh, and also the ceremony that we saw at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, I think it's, um, it's a really big deal. Um, being the first, uh, first player um, of African-American descent to, to play in the NHL is a massive deal. And, you know, one of the things that I think makes it bigger is that so many people viewed Willie O'Ree as the first person and not many were really giving Herb Carnegie his, uh, his just due. And um, for that to finally happen, I, I think it is a, is a massive deal. And I never got the opportunity to really cross paths with him. I was more uh, around Willie O'Ree um and just based off stories from Willie I, I can't imagine what Herb Carnegie had to go through 
Um, you know, it's it's kind of heartbreaking to to hear those stories, some of the stories that Willie had, had mentioned, and to be even earlier than what Willie had to endure. I, I couldn't imagine it. And uh, he's a pioneer. He's he's a guy that you know he basically just put his life on the line because that's what you literally did every single time you stepped foot on the ice. Yeah. Um, so uh, as a player that you know, was a black player um, now and, and used to play, um, these guys were all trendsetters for us. And, um, you know, it, it's a very big deal for us. And, and I'm yeah. so happy to see that they finally, uh, you know, got him into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful moment for sure. Uh, Sonny, your thoughts on Herb Carnegie and the uh, importance he has uh, on the game uh, even today and and things that he does uh, with the Car- Carnegie Initiative and all the great things that he does and, uh, and the ceremony that we saw. Yeah, like I think, uh, you know, when Sean mentioned like the stories of what he went through, I remember reading, I can't remember which player it was, but I remember reading like an executive basically saying that he'd he'd pay ten thousand dollars to not have, have herb on the team kind of thing just and for no other reason other than he's black right and you know to to have a successful career and then turn it into like a platform at that early of a time like to help try and start the uh um you know expanding uh acceptance within the game is is awesome and uh, at a time when that would have been very hard so i think you know, I think uh, you can't say enough about it. Now, on the on the sad side, it's like you know, you see guys like see the things that Herb did, and you see the things that like Willie O'Ree did, and then you know, there's a stark reminder that we still have so far to go. Like you know, yesterday, what was uh, Jaeger Joshua, like the the Big Ten NCAA player, you know, um, so you know, we can celebrate little wins, but the reality is that the work that Herb is doing literally a hundred years ago is still so prevalent in this game. And, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit in terms of like the gatekeepers and being afraid of like new businesses in it. Um, but, you know, uh, that holistic change still has to happen. Right. And um, cause otherwise like my, and again, we'll talk about this in the free plays. My fear is that like, uh, you know, I see a world where like, you know, podcasts like this, boards like mine at the brick become irrelevant because, you know, when you look at the cost and the stuff that keeps coming up in the game and the stories from Hockey Canada, it's like, at what point is enough enough and you just choose something else? So um, it's, so his work is just a reminder to me that there's a lot of work yet to be done and um, people were doing it under a lot harder times than we are today. So that's kind of what lights me up to to go and do what we're doing so yeah yeah it was tough to see uh uh Jaeger Joshua's post uh uh you know here and um his uh his brother obviously plays for the Vancouver Canucks as uh Dakota Joshua uh so very tough to see Beller um where do you think um the game is at today on this front do you think uh obviously we know that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done but uh where where where's your headspace at where are you at on where this game is is at today in regards to this situation well i i think it's it's moved forward um do i think it it's moved as forward as far possible as it should have definitely not um, I mean, you can browse through social media 
and you go for five minutes and you probably see three or four stories, you know, about stuff that's going on and, you know, with racism and inclusion and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that we're, we're still fighting this fight. Um, and sad that we still have to go through the same stuff that, you know, players did a hundred years ago. Um, but in that same breath, there has been, you know, acknowledgement, there has been movement forward. Um, the HDA has, you know, created grassroots programs. Uh, Anthony Stewart with Hockey Equality has done a lot of stuff with the grassroots and, you know, trying to train people to be in, you know, different roles and prominent roles across hockey, whether that's through media, um, whether that's, you know, on the, the GM side, the staff side, um, you're starting to see more and more people of color start to enter the sport. Um, and there's more people that are willing to sit down and have these conversations than there ever was before. But it's just, we're so far behind, you know, baseball, football, basketball, um, and being able to to get ahead of this and, and really give everybody a fair shake and not have to go through a, a day where it's, here comes another press clipping of, you know, this kid said this or this player said that or whatever it may be. So um, there, there's obviously good and bad uh, with the whole situation. It's just we'd like to have these more and more conversations to help move things forward. Yeah. yeah. Can I jump in right there, too? Like, Absolutely. you know, a lot of times, too, like, you know, there's lots of platforms that exist to talk about, like, racism based on, uh, you know, your color your skin where you're from your like what you believe in sexism but like you know if you're you know josh clay trevor like you guys are also experiencing prejudice in the in the game because we've talked about it before like all these jobs that any one of you would be just as qualified for aren't falling to you because you're not in that tier of old old boys club right so um it, it, it to me I think everyone will experience it to some degree until, you know, we see that wholesale just mind shift. And, um, you know, obviously it's, it's a little bit more hurtful and impactful when you see stuff like this, where it's like, you're playing on a big 10 team, your, your brother's in the NHL, you're a legit hockey player and someone's signaling you out because of the color of your skin. Right. Like, um, but again, it's not to say that this stuff isn't present at like every level and, uh, regardless of like again the color of your skin so yeah. yeah you know you know and i and i and i can't um i don't want to ever how do i word this right and i don't i don't want to come off on the wrong foot here but i don't ever want to pretend like i know what it's like um to be black or to because I don't, I, I have no idea. And I know, I know times have changed, but I, I can tell you what, and I, and I grew up playing hockey and, you know, I've never been a racist, but I, I might've made some comments back when I was a kid about, you know, a, I, I'm not even using this in the right way. This is why I want to say, don't take this the wrong way, but even, even sexuality stuff, like, the dressing room was such a different place in the eighties and nineties and even before that. But if you're not willing to change and not willing to, to look at 
stuff and, and move forward with it, then I don't think it ever will change. It, it, it's like coaching, right? Like if, if you're going to coach the same way that, that you coached in the eighties and expect to come back and do that now, it's impossible. You're not, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to put a good foot forward and be a better person. And I, I'm the first one to admit that, you know, like I said, I've never been racist, but I've probably made comments that other people, you know, would think that that was it. Or, you know, you say something to your buddy in the room, like, look at this guy or whatever, whatever it is, but you have to be willing to accept that, you know, the game is changing. The world is changing, not just in, in, in race, but in equality and, a certain amount of things. And I hope that makes sense to you guys without me sounding you know, rambling on here. No, I, Rupper, I, Rupper, I think that's part, part of the issue is that while we, we do have to communicate, we do have to talk to help get change. People aren't willing to have those conversations because it doesn't affect them. Yeah. And the only time that it, they want to have these conversations is when it, because it puts it right at their doorstep when it affects yeah. them then that's when people start talking and saying well this happened and that happened yeah how do you get people to the table that don't ever have to endure that and don't ever have to go into situations like that how do you get that because one of the things that i feel is that there's so much talk but how much action is out there and realistically once again and i'm just reiterating this is that the only way that we're actually going to change stuff is if people are willing to have that action and willing to actually sit down and say let's talk about these issues face to face i'm not better than you you're not better than me but yeah. we have issues because you have a different walk of life than i had a different walk of life than the next guy did but we all have our own situations and we all had challenges in life Let's sit down and talk about it. And that's what people are not willing to do. And that's why it's just a perpetual cycle of, Kate, we're good. Nope, now we're bad. Kate, we're good. Nope, now we're yeah. bad. So, so, so do you think if, say, like yourself and me and people on, like, that we're talking tonight, is it possible to sit down and might might go south and they might go north and they might go east and might northwest but west but knowing that you know John, like i'm willing to listen to you and you're willing to listen to me and I'll, i'm willing to understand that what your hardships were growing up because i never had those i i'm not trying to say that you did i'm just saying that i understand like is that one of the reasons that people like if start saying something will will somebody of color maybe take offense to what I'm saying when I don't even think that I'm trying to be offensive, right? I just want to know your story or somebody else's story, uh, right? Like I don't even know where to start in um, some of these conversations because I don't want to be taken for the words that I say to be taken the wrong way when I'm really really want to be genuine and understand everything um for me like i think the conversations like sean you mentioned like the conversations 
conversations have been happening for a hundred years, right? Like people have talked about this, um, you know, and this will lead into free play. And now it's like, you know, there has to be actionable plans, right? Like, you know, we can talk about how it's right and wrong to pick on a player because uh, he, he likes guys or girls or, or because he's like, he, they, he wears a turban or he's black, like, we can talk about it, but the reality is, uh, in at least in my opinion, again, this is my opinion. There's so many things about hockey that perpetuate what's happening. It's expensive. It's there's a whole socioeconomic side of it that keeps it predominantly a, a, a white sport. Like that's the reality. Like in when you look at the city, the countries where they play it, like it's skilled laborers. It's people that are that have better jobs. They have up in general up better access to these things so you look at the other sports globally that are traditionally cheaper and that's where you see more colors so that's like this whole bag of worms where until you find a way to address that the elephant in the room which is like how do you make this game accessible from a cost standpoint how do you make the game accessible from an inclusion standpoint how do you do all of this we'll just keep coming back to these conversations because as the reality is it's I don't, I don't know that there'll ever be a day where, you know, the, the NHL is 40% BIPOC. I don't know that it'll be 50%, but it sure as hell needs to be a lot higher so that these conversations stop happening. And, you know, I'll say it out loud. I'm not afraid of the controversy. Like one of my goals in being a part of free play is so that like programs like uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, programs like uh, the trail awards, like the Trailblazer Award, uh, up in a hockey, all these things, the great work they're doing, not to take anything away from it. One of my and like career goals is that they're irrelevant. Like those programs exist because this is happening. But if those programs no longer have to be around, then the work is almost done, right? Because now you've made the game truly inclusive where it's like, you're not remembering, I don't, I'm not remembering Sean Bell because he was the only black player in that brick here. I'm remembering Sean Bell because he was the fastest guy on the ice. It's, it has nothing yeah. to do with what they look like. Yeah. It's, and until you make that path to like, if you want to play the game here, just play the game in a safe environment. In my opinion, we'll keep having these dialogues. It'll flare up every few months. Uh, there's, it's the old thing. Talk is cheap, right? Like, it's lip service and, you know, until you actually put in a concrete plan with that's going to impact change, this will just keep happening. Yeah. And I think it has to happen at the highest level and that's the ownership, right? Like I think we just saw like Anson Carter just bought into a, uh, into a franchise in the uh, East coast hockey league. So, you know, I think it kind of will, will start in that direction, but very well said on what you guys had said there. Vandy, do you want to jump in uh, before we jump into replay there? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know where to where to end. Up. I mean, we need to open the conversation. I I've coached South Satisfied Club. I've coached for twenty two, three plus years. I've coached all races. I I mean, I don't I don't see it. For me, I don't see it. I I see kids. They all should be included. Um, Mill Woods is probably one of the most ethnic based um, area in Edmonton. And, and, you know, I get all walks of walks of life. I don't mean that in a negative connotation, but I mean, it, it is, I've seen, you know, I've got kids in 
that I've coached playing MLAC, Ethan Angela. Um, I've got, you know what I mean? I, I've got, I don't see it. A whole list, so yeah. for me, yeah. for me, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough conversation for me to have. And, and I'm being honest and that I, I don't, I don't look, I look at the hockey player that's selfish. You know what I mean? Like I look, can the kid play hockey and, and is it good? And then not only that, but I run development for Millwoods from tier one to tier six. And I'm working with all these kids and I, I see how much they've improved. I've got one kid, God, I love him, but he, you know, he just, he's been consistently bottom tier, but the kid doesn't give up. And I, I don't, I don't look at color. I don't look at race. I, I look at a kid for me, for hockey. And I'm talking strictly hockey. He's can, these kids continue to do it. And it, it is, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to talk about. And, 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 and that's when, where I think that's got to change. I, for yeah. me, it's, it's, it's not uncomfortable to talk about. I, I don't see color. I don't see, I see hockey players. I, I see kids with cages and I, you know, I, if I, I, I don't mean, I, I understand that that people may go about it, but I, I've been coaching for a long time. And, and for me, I, I look at, you know, what kind of kid they are, what kind of person they are. And I, I've, I can't. I don't know. I'm rambling on now. I'm trying to collect my you, thoughts. You, you, you're not rambling, Clay, because that's that's the same way I feel. But I think maybe we're just. I don't want to call us naive about the situation, but maybe like when we're coaching, we need to sit down. You know, if if we see if we see a kid having an off day or something, and just get into their head a little bit and be like, "Hey, I, I don't know if that's even the way, right?" Like, yeah, you yeah. know, I'll leave yeah. that to Sean and, and Sonny and and like I, I don't know. It's and one, just, I'm with you. One comment too, though, like I think you know we we get into these discussions and because we're all trying to push the game forward. I think it's I think it goes without saying that more people in hockey are wonderful human beings and not mm -hmm. right like but that's 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 the unfortunate statistic you can have 999 unreal people like playing the game but it's that one turd that's gonna taint yeah. a bunch right yeah. and unfortunately like unfortunately it has seemingly been more prevalent in the last number of years right like um and again that's when you go back and you look at from stem to stern like looking at hockey as a overall product like the change is just long overdue like um but yeah so you know i know we we wanted to talk about free play and i think yep. we'll have some time so we'll get when i left sorry go ahead yeah so we'll get into that now um you know obviously uh you reached out to me i think we wouldn't we talk um you you were to, you kind of hinted me hinted to me uh, you and Beller were working on something you and Bell's you were working on something and um i know that you're working at henry singer um but uh where did this start? What's free play about? Um, and what is your role at free play, uh, Sonny? We'll start with you first. So free play, like it's actually been around since 2007. So Tim Adams, uh, he at the time was a CBC reporter. Uh, that was his full-time gig. He start, he went and he was doing a, a report on a inner city school in downtown Edmonton. Um, and he experienced like, just like 
absolute poverty, like in Edmonton. And so he, uh, he saw, there was like a kid there that was a child soldier. There was a kid there whose mom was like living in Fort Mac as a working prostitute. So this like impacted him like immediately. And he started off coaching in that school on, through soccer um, and then just started to see like how much change he could be by just be uh, how much change he could enact by being a coach and being someone these kids could rely on. And um, so it started as free footy. And then over the years evolved, Tim left his work to pursue this full time. Uh, and now we're free play. So now we've got uh, Sean runs the, uh, the ice hockey side. Adam Loga runs the, uh, the, the soccer side. Uh, Cole is with the basketball side. And I think our soccer uh, football is vacant, but we're playing the, the four major North American sports. Right. And, you know, the names I mentioned, uh, you might not know Adam Loga, but this is a guy, he's the head coach of the McEwen men's team. He's also a SSAC alum. He's got a master's in education. You know, Sean's, uh, Sean's reputation speaks for him for itself. So these are like high profile coaches that are given to this program. Um, and so, our goal is like ultimately to remove any privilege based barrier. So by privilege based, like we look at everything. So transportation, equipment, food and security, after school care. Um, none of that should matter in our opinion, if you want to play, that's it. And so we're working on a sponsorship document right now. And that's like my, my whole thing has been like, if a kid wants to play a game, that should be it. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. You want to play, you want to try hockey, you don't have the equipment, no problem. And so that's, uh, that's, that's what we're doing. So we're, we're like this after school care. So we deal with a lot of these high need schools. So from three to five, like the highest, you know, risk time, if you look at it one way for those youth to be idle and vacant, we're providing free childcare, we're providing free food, we're providing, you know, uh, social emotional learning uh, in, in coaching. We're letting them experience these different sports. And then, you know, one day a week, we're working on like leadership development and skills, food insecurity. Um, and so this starts with youth, like, you know, in elementary, and then we've built the system out to try and incent people to stay. So when you get to Sean's group, they're, they're typically picking one sport. It's pathway to leadership. Um, they can enter a stream where they're taught to be a coach. They can enter a stream where they're taught to be a referee, where they're paid an honorarium uh, to do it. And then, you know, the end result being lots of our people that have started as like nine, eight, nine year olds are now actually working with free play, coming back as coaches with their kids. Um, so it's this, it's this really awesome ecosystem that, you know, a lot of people hadn't heard about it. And for me, I didn't, I didn't know much about it. And I saw Sean at the brick tournament and I referenced how our volunteer situation was. I didn't even get to talk to him. I had to run to gold judge because someone didn't show up, but I, that was like the first I had heard he was going to be part of it. So when I started to see like how good I felt being around these kids and seeing like these, these kids that are literally coming from, they were in Afghanistan two weeks ago, hiding under buses from, you know, they're fighting for their lives to being on the ice with a guy like you know a former NHL oiler uh having the time of their life now I was like I got to be part of this and so you know I, I I'm there I'm happy to be there and so far what I'm finding is uh we just have to talk about ourselves a bit more and I think people Welcome like to looking to get podcast yeah, presented by Bob getting involved so um 
that's kind of where I started. And then Sean's like, Sean's hands on, he's with the kids, so he can talk about that a bit. So, yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> I, I started because I was doing some stuff with the, with the Oilers alumni and uh, they connected myself and Joaquin Gage with free play. And um, the first time I ever went on the ice with them, it was, it was a group of about 20 kids from Afghanistan who had never seen the ice before they'd never skated before but you know we we jumped on the ice with them and uh to see their faces just light up and have the time of their lives and you know like it didn't matter like they were falling all over the ice some of them were getting hurt but they were just loving it um you know it, it just it spoke to me it it made me feel um, you know, like I was, I was helping to create a little bit of change and to, you know, give back to hockey. And, you know, we, everybody talks about giving back to hockey, but, you know, going into the elite stream all the time is not necessarily giving back, um, you know, to, so to be into a, a program like free play where, you know, you're giving opportunities to less fortunate kids, people that can't afford it, um, people that are new to this country and, and just, you know, providing maybe just, you know, uh, a different outlook, um, a fresh perspective, or just a chance, um, you know, really just connected with me. And I, and I just felt like I wanted to be a part of it. That's awesome. I do kind of now that you say that, and you brought it up, Sunny, too. And now you just brought it up there, Beller, about uh, I think I saw it on the news or social media, you guys on the ice with the kids. That kind of uh, brings back a memory there. Um, you know, Sunny, where how do people get involved if they want to sponsor, if they want to help out, donations? How does that work out? And where can people go for that? Yeah, like uh, we've got a pretty pretty rocking website. It's they've been working on it. So, freeplayforkids.com. Um, you can connect with me on any social feed and I can help you through the process too. Um, but, uh, I, I kind of just real quick wanted to go back to what Sean was saying with the kids and hopefully bring it all home. Why I said like this was seemed like such a fit for me. So like I'm a hockey guy through and through free play does hockey, football, basketball, soccer. Um, I'm on the brick board. I see the registration numbers. I see what's happening with the game. I see the numbers shrinking. Like, a lot of people aren't aware that there's there's actually two and a half times as many soccer players in Canada now as hockey players. There's more basketball players in in Canada than hockey players now. There's actually more uh, boys, I guess, boys and youth boys registered in dance than hockey in in the last year's data. Hockey now on that, yeah. hockey now on average costs as much. And this isn't playing in HSL or Academy. It costs as much to put your kid in hockey as it would to put them in equestrian. So when we were kids, you know, you had to be super rich to have a horse. Now it's on par with that. So when you look at that and you look at this mass migration, people, whether you're coming from the Ukraine for unfortunate circumstances, Syria, Afghanistan, people are going to continue to come to Canada. And when you come from countries where hockey is not even a top three sport, and then you come here and the first thing you see is, oh, well, the cost is high. Then, okay, your kid might want to do it. So you Google it. And the first thing you say today is, okay, you might have a kid from Afghanistan and someone's getting called N-bombs today in, in 2022. Uh, you've already got all these barriers up against. So when I looked at free play and I was like, here's a vehicle where you're going to expose them. 
you're going to provide a space where 20 Afghan kids, 20 Afghan girls, we've got, we've got a girls team where the girls hijabs are flowing, are coming and they, the players look like each other, look like them, they feel comfortable. The coaches look like them, so they feel comfortable. We work to provide translation services. We close every loop. So when I mentioned the action piece earlier, this is it. Like, this is literally how you do it. Like, I think you create like the grassroots movement. You get, you know, if we have 200 kids go through our program every year and 20% of them continue to go and those are from a BIPOC community or community other than what the norm is, that's how you're going to get change over time. It's, it's, but it, it, you know, and it, it takes a lot of work it, for us to be, to survive. We rely on donations, support from the private community. We rely on all levels of government. We rely on grants because ultimately someone has to pay. But again, that's how, at least for me, and again, I'm 36 now, I've been involved with a lot of different attempts to solve this problem or at least try to solve this problem. And nothing I've seen comes close to this in terms of covering it also. That's uh, pretty sweet. Uh, earlier in the week, we had Michael Backlund on from the Calgary Flames, and when I when we went down the segment of the uh, of you know the you know the donations and the you know the giving back to the game and and uh, you know the initiatives that he's a part of and and all that, uh, his, his his smile just was ear to ear, and it just he explained uh, in such great ways as people will hear that whenever that episode drops about how important it is to kind of give back to the game, but also support and see that. And I know COVID kind of took a lot of this away from us to seeing the smile on people's faces, but I'll throw to you, Beller, uh, on this one. Um, can you talk about how cool it is and the smile it is and the experience it is when you see the, the, the smiles on the faces, the laughs, the, the good cheers, um, how emotional it is, but how awesome it is too on, on explaining that to some people? Yeah, it's just, it's a special feeling because, uh, you know, the kids have an opportunity to play a sport that, you know, Canada loves. Um, you come here, you, you know, you see it everywhere. Um, it's a primary focus. And then all of a sudden they, they get on the ice and they just, they thoroughly enjoy being a part of it. Um, you know, I, I went to, we, we have a hockey team at free play that plays in the rec league. And I made my way to, to Mill Woods um, last Thursday. And, you know, it, it became a community situation. The opposing team knew that our kids weren't going to be very good. So we switched goaltenders. Um, guys between periods, instead of going to their benches, were like high-fiving each other. And the teams were like intermingled and, and connected together. And like, you never see this stuff in hockey and it didn't matter wh who you were what you did where you came from all that mattered was that you're on the ice you're having fun and you were all the same at that time and, and that's what I think really resonated um, by going to that game and then you know we <clears throat> I think we we ended up losing and it wasn't close but you go down after the game and all these kids, they're not talking about trying to figure out how to get home, right? They're thinking about, oh, man, that game was awesome. Oh, that guy from the other team or that girl from the other team, that person's unbelievable. I, I can't wait to play this team again. 
nobody cared that the goaltender switched and the our goaltender wasn't very good or couldn't make a save. It was just, it was so pure. Um, and so it, it just becomes emotional because you don't see that. Yeah. Because we're all so accustomed to wins and losses and an elite stream. And, you know, it's just, it's one track mind in terms of the hockey world, but you, it just strips everything back and it just says, this is what we're here for. And it's the love of the game and, and to give kids an opportunity to, to do something special. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. Uh, Sonny, I posed the same question to you. And one of the cool things that I, I love about both you guys is uh, ever since I've known you guys, you guys, uh, you guys do a lot of uh, charitable initiatives. You guys donate a lot of your time uh, just as, you know, there are two co-hosts here with coaching and giving back to the game and you don't do it for a paycheck, but you do it for the betterment of the kids and the smile on the faces. But same question to you, how excited to see, uh, how excited are you and, you know, what in this, in, in which way, how does this fill your cup of tea up every day when you see these uh, great stories and great, uh, great conversations, smiles, laughs, all that? Yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's, it feels like very rewarding work. Um, and obviously, I'm, I will obviously always talk more about hockey, because it's my, my cup of tea. But like, we're doing a lot of sports, and all the sports kind of yield the same response. But, you know, I, I think just, if people know me and I had like a pretty sweet gig with singers and we're about to open a brand new shop. And um, yes, I left to take time off with my son, but I could have gone back. And, you know, I, I, I think I ended up meeting with Tim four times and my wife called me out. Like after the second time, she's like, I know you're just trying to figure out like how you're going to make this work. And cause I, I, I loved it. Like I, I really did. Like it's uh, I was there for a tournament day in the summer with like the, Af like, uh, like a lot of the Afghan families. And it was, it's such a cliche, but it's, a, I have, I tell the story anyways, like I was at the East soccer center. And so I pulled up and there was like four buses outside and I'm like, what is going on here? It was just like absolute chaos, like language barriers, probably a little understaffed. And I'm like, trying to figure this out and then sure like it took them a little bit of time and then they get the kids into the fields and then it was like silence like just you would hear laughter smiles emotional parents uh because they gave them a ball and they knew what to do right and so I'm sitting here I'm like man like this is awesome and like again I've had these worries about hockey for the kind of years like we see the numbers through the brick tournament, we see the decline. I don't want, I don't ever want there to be a world where, you know, hockey's no, no longer Canada's game. And so I, I think that for us to, you know, for hockey to remain number one in Canada and for the game to continue to grow, we need programs like free, free plays because I think it will address a lot of these inequities that kind of, you know, bring these problems back up all, over and over. But again, there's nothing to answer your question there's nothing like seeing a kid that otherwise would be sitting at home doing nothing or you know sitting at home not having food just like just elated to be there right like that's you know makes work pretty easy when I walk past that on my way home so yeah did, go ahead Alfonso Davis came through the free footy program did he not he did yeah so he um um his history with us is like very brief uh tim i've asked him that same story like several times and uh davies is just one of those unicorns tim said that like well, of course yeah. you know any anyone like saw him and was like you know he was there and gone and 
Uh, so now it's about getting the next one and then having someone like, you know, like having the coaches that we have that are credentialed professional coaches and then having someone like Darnell Nurse step in and be like the ambassador. And again, it's another one of the interesting things is it's like, you know, we're, we're providing mentors uh, and people to look up to that have done this, right? Like Sean, Sean's like suited up in the NHL, suited up for the home team. Darnell Nurse is living it right now. So like for those, those kids and most of our kids come from like a BIPOC situation to see that firsthand while this is like, you know, it all comes kind of part and parcel and it becomes like that, hopefully that incubator um, to impact change. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, beautiful to see for sure. Um, I didn't uh, get to this, but I do want to. Um, Beller, uh, you got uh, seven hockey, uh, something you started uh uh, quite a few years ago, um, before we sign off, we'll definitely want to, I want to talk about that. I was a part of a camp in the summertime and there was a kid wearing your Jersey, uh, at that camp and kind of just was shooting the breeze with them. And he just said it was like the best thing he's a part of. He like, it's like in his introduction to the game, uh, um, he was just lighting ear to ear. And I told him that I knew you and he's just always, oh, he's like, Sean's such a great person. And he's like, we need more people like him in the game. And this is coming from a kid that's probably like 12, 13 years old. And, um, you know, he's wearing your Jersey and he's wearing it proud. Uh, and this was at uh, Doug Ocker uh, camp, uh, the, uh, the underdog uh, camp. Um, but uh, what's uh, for people that don't know what seven hockey, how did it start? And what are the kind of things you guys do and how do people get involved or want to sign up for it? Yeah, Seven Hockey uh, is my strength and conditioning program uh, that I run in the summertime um, out of my gym, Seven Performance. Um, you know, it, it kind of started when I was still playing towards the, the back end of my career. Um, <clears throat> we'd always get ice in the summertime and we had like almost every single pro in the area out, out on that ice and we'd always scrimmage and, and it was always a good skate. And then we all started thinking about it, you know, like what do hockey players want and, and how are things going in, in terms of the, the off ice, off season uh, programming. Um, and there's just so many things that guys would do. Like you've got power skating out there right now. You've got all the different skill developments. You've got your off ice training. Like if you're a parent in today's day and age, like, what are you supposed to pick and, and why? Um, so myself and Dylan Stanley, um, about eight years ago, we were under the banner Evolve Pro Hockey. Um, and what we decided to do was we, we created our training program and then we added ICE to that. So that it was a program where if you signed up, you basically, it was a one-stop shop. You had your skill sessions, you had your power skating, and then you had your 16 weeks of training. Um, since then, it's kind of morphed into a, a whole other animal. Um, so we've we've essentially created a one-stop shop where you've got your 16 weeks of training, you've got 20 on ice sessions through Power Edge Pro, power skating, um, just straight skill sessions. Um, we've partnered with True Movement, we have yoga, we have nutrition seminars um, inside of our gym. We just purchased uh, an additional 5,000 square feet above our gym. 
Um, upstairs, we're going to put a yoga uh, yoga studio in there and a physio clinic. So now when kids are part of our program, they pay for it and they can go see physio once a day upstairs. Um, we have a registered dietitian right in-house. So it is literally the ultimate one-stop shop. Uh, you know the level of service is going to be good for from all the different trainers and, and people that we've got working for us. And um, yeah, I mean, that at the end of the day is is what we've tried to create. Um, and, and we want to make sure that when kids leave our program, you know, they feel good about it. They know that they've improved throughout the summer. They know that they've been taken care of. And, you know, it's also not going to break the bank for, for parents. Um, we're located basically uh, right across the street from Skona High School, um, 7121 104th Street Northwest. Um, got about 10,000 square feet um, separated into an upstairs and downstairs. And, you know, you can just find us on social media, um, seven underscore hockey, which is on Instagram. And, um, you know, we're, we're trending in the right direction. We don't really advertise and everything that we do is essentially word of mouth and we just keep growing uh, year after year. Perfect. Uh, thanks. I know you've been on this before, but we've gained some new listeners over that time. And, uh, you know, so give it, uh, give some people the, the conversation and, uh, it is tagged in our, our, our last post on our Instagram post with, uh, with Beller there. Um, anything you want to add, Sonny, before we sign off? Um, and uh, if people need to get a hold of you, uh, you know, through uh, free play, um, you know, is there, yeah, I know you guys are on social media. If you have those accounts and all that, we'll tag the, in our posts. But uh, anything you want to add before we sign off there, Sonny? No, I, uh, I, again, thank you for having having me on and uh you know letting us talk about free play and um you know i i think the conversations aren't always easy and i think that was like a lot a point that we made to to, to make it that way yeah. uh but that's part of progress right and then um so i always appreciate that yeah. and uh same with you Beller. any final comments before we sign off there no, it was uh it was a pleasure to be on um obviously <laughs> Both times have been on really good conversations and uh, you know, I, I'd love to be back again. Um, thank you guys so much for, for taking the time to, to bring me on. So yeah. it's it. Yeah. No, oh, I appreciate it again, guys. And uh, anything we can do, uh, you know, let us know, but uh, it's great to, uh, to have it. Uh, Rupper, uh, Van, do you guys want to have any final comments to our guests before we sign off? Rupper? No. Um, yeah, no, this unbelievable. I love I love the conversations we're having. I love them. I miss them. I'm I'm busy with hockey. Winter's busy, but I love the fact that we're we're talking about everything. Yeah. O open the book. Let's do it. And uh, Rupper. Yeah, great podcast. Um, it was my first time on with these two gentlemen, and you know what? They represented them very well. Um, I think we might have broken a record tonight for time-wise on the podcast. Yes. I don't know if you guys can see Sleeping Beauty over here, but... Uh, don't, don't. This don't. is past Rupper's bedtime right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is my witching hour. I want to finish off Pretty Woman here, fellas. So uh, I'm going to sign off. <laughs> you mean you didn't watch it in the two and a half hours? Or... No. 
right. Well, uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, and we re- really appreciate the conversation as always. Uh, all the best to you guys. And uh, good work, boys. Yeah. Keep thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Mutz fans, what's going down? It's Bosco here. We like to welcome Seat Geek. They're back with us. They were with us a few years ago. They're back with us this year. Use the promo code Two Months Pod. That's Two Months Pod at checkout. You'll get twenty dollars off your order. Seat Geek, can't, you won't be disappointed. You go on any hockey games. Going to check out some NFL games. Anything going on? Uh, some CFL games here in the playoffs as they get going. Just check out Seat Geek. Use the promo code Two Months Pod, all capitals. You get twenty dollars off your purchase. When you hire a contractor, you want things to go smooth. Smooth as a driveway poured by Pete's Concrete. You want a solid guarantee. Solid as a basement floor by Pete's Concrete. You want Pete. Pete's Concrete. For sidewalks, patios, your leaky basement, Pete lays his reputation down with every job, and he offers you finishes and colors you won't find anywhere else. You want someone who proudly puts their name on the work they do. Pete puts his name in concrete. Pete's Concrete. 